West Coast culture is like, there's nothing wrong with always hustling, but it's like always hustling and it's a bit fake at some times. Yeah. Yeah. Like they seem scripted? It's not like they seem scripted. It's like they mean what they say, but it's like you're want to connect with me because you want to do this not because you want to connect with me yeah it's not a genuine connection yeah all right awesome so we're live another episode of adversity kings we're in our 90s aiden hill behind the booth the podcast booth back there editing for us and then we have our special guest today introduce yourself Hello, guys. My name is George Makunde Martin, and I am a software engineer at Google, also the founder of Justice for Cameroon and Tech League Up Shy. Let's go. Really cool individual. So I met George, and I just call him basically, I don't even know how to pronounce your last name, but I, every time I see you like on IG, I go like G Makunde or whatever. You know what I mean? So how do I pronounce it so I'm respectful? Makunde. So I was kind of close. You're, you're always there, but also misconception most people think that's my last name. That's actually my middle name. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know. Some people know me as Makunda. Some people know me as George. Interchangeable for yeah. real. Now, were any of the UFC champions, were there any of them Cameroonian? Francis Ngannou. Okay, because I always thought they were all three of them Nigerian. There was Kamar, Kamaru Usman, and then there's Israel Adesanya, mm-hmm. and then Francis. I thought they were all three Nigerian. And then somebody told me, like, nah, one of them's, I thought, Cameroonian. Yeah. Am I saying that correctly as well? You're saying that right. Okay, now have you, I want to just jump right in. So have you ever been out to Cameroon? Have you ever visited? Surprisingly, no. Um, I've been to Ghana before, but not Cameroon. Okay. And that's where, is that your direct heritage, is Cameroon? Correct. Okay. So parents, were they, did they immigrate over here? Yeah, my parents came in before I was born, maybe a couple years before my sister was born. Well, yeah, after my first sister was born, maybe a little bit afterwards. Okay. And they landed in Chicago, like straight to Chicago? No, I actually moved to Chicago last year. Okay. Um, Maryland, born and raised PG County, Maryland, specifically Bellsville. Okay, that's dope. Now, before we go any further, because we're a smaller podcast, I don't know how long people listen when we do our analytics. It doesn't really show us. That first shows us the length, right? Of like how long, like duration. We'll have anywhere from two to three thousand viewers, like monthly. So, but I don't know how long. So, I like if anything you want to shout out, let's just do it in the first five minutes. Okay. Companies, um, I, anything like that. I got much to shout out, but I'll just plug in Tank Link of Chicago. If you're in tech, based in Chicago, follow the page at Tech Link Up Shy. Boom. Was that the, was that a timer? That what is, that? That, that's a timer to join Tech Link in Chicago, and for me to eat my next meal that I'm not gonna be eating. Damn. <laughs> tech Link in Chicago. What else? At Justice for Cameroon. Justice for Cameroon. And where can they find all of this? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, soon TikTok. Let's go. I got to get into that TikTok game. That's been the biggest ROI for me lately. Word. TikTok, yeah. Absolutely huge. And they do it all for me. I just got to sit in front of a camera and make content. They edit it. They put it up. All, da, 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 da. all that crazy stuff they do for me. So it's dope. So let's go back into you. So parents, they came over to America. So Obviously, outside of the opportunity being greater here, was there any adversity or things they were going through back home that kind of inspired them to get to America? Yeah, both of my parents grew up without their parents. Um, So it came to a certain age where there were not as many opportunities um, for them for their career advancement. So 
my dad wanted to, you know, come over here. Um, he had an un- my uncle was already here first, and he immigrated over to Maryland. My mom also was in the same predicament. Both her parents weren't in her life. Um, she wasn't really quite sure what to do, um, and she won the green card lottery. So what's that? Green card lottery is kind of like I don't know how to explain it. Is it's like you get a green card. And you're able to use that green card in order to travel to another place. Like, you need a green card yeah. to travel from Cameroon to United States or Canada. How long can that application process take for an average Cameroonian? Hmm, that's a good question. Honestly, I'm not sure. Yeah. I know that's my oldest sister. She got here on the green card lottery when I was in middle school. Yeah. Do you? And then <clears throat> do you have any future plans of going back to visit? Yeah, definitely. Um, plan to visit in next year, actually, next year around May. Is there a specific language to Cameroon? Is there like a dialect? Um, yes and no. So Cameroon is actually one of the most culturally diverse countries in Africa. Yeah. Um, with like, I think it's over like 300 languages a plus. So my mom, she speaks her own tongue. She's just in Cameroon? Just in Cameroon itself. The two official languages are English and French. Okay. And which is actually the cause of what's known as the Anglophone crisis because... France went over there and tried to enslave everybody. No. <laughs> no? Uh, but yes, but no. Not in the Anglophone crisis, at least. This okay. one's more of a conflict between the English-speaking minority versus the French-speaking government. So in a nutshell, because it's a lot of intricacies, but pretty much English is supposed to be the second language, but if you don't know French, you can't really get ahead in Cameroon. Um, both my parents from the English-speaking part, so also part, maybe part of the reasons why they came to America as well. Um, but yeah, English and French are the main language spoken, mostly French more than anything, but yeah. everybody knows their own dialect. Okay. So, and then I'm kind of curious because I remember listening to um, Francis Ngannou's podcast, and he was talking about escaping Cameroon. And in doing so, there was just this weird passage he would take to, to Europe, like I think via boat or something like that. And if you got caught, they sent you back to a desert or they like dropped him off in a desert. And this happened two or three times. It's a phenomenal podcast, and I'm, I'm probably butchering his story. But it had me just curious in regard to what are the conditions in some of the, I don't know, towns, neighborhoods, whatever it would be called, or or villages in, in Cameroon or some countries in Africa. And like I think sometimes it makes me grateful i guess when it comes down to like just being in america and when we have lows here it's like nobody's gonna drag you to a desert and leave you to die you know what i mean and say so it's like hey you know you tried to do this so your accountability is going to be you know x y or z and it's going to be like an extremity in comparison to like what are the true consequences you know in america you know what i mean even imprisonment here would probably be a luxury for some places in a, in a third world country having access to food and water things like that so i think of that but I guess as we wrap back in, so they come to America. What did they What did they do? Did they get back into school? Did they get into a career? Came to America, got into school. Um, my dad, I don't even know what he went to any school for, but I know he's an accountant right now. Um, my mom, I actually remember her going to school with me when I was young. Um, I think she started off as a LPN. And okay. I think that's a licensed something. I know professional it's a nurse. nurse. Yeah. There we go, licensed professional nurse. Um, she was in school to become an RN when I was younger. So even sometimes I just always remember I had the goldfish crackers. I was in the back seat. Yeah. Um, she was studying. She was on her way to school or they had to drop me off somewhere. But yeah, my mom's still a nurse right now. My dad, um, still an accountant. They've been in their profession 
after my mom graduated school at Salong, probably since I was in like late uh, elementary school, early middle school. What was what was elementary school and growing up for you like those early years? Early years has been pretty simple. Like um, I'm from again Beltsville, Maryland, so it's not it's a pretty chill town if you don't get into anything bad. I definitely high school was more a little bit more hectic, but me as an elementary school, the world was kind of small. I was just in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, everybody, we used to be play outside by the generators. Yep. Um, my parents were very hard on me from when I was young, uh, especially when it came to academics. Like, yeah. my friends would be like, oh, George, you want to come outside? And I'd be like, I can't. Like, my dad, my dad usually during summertime, time, he'll actually buy, like, books yeah. for me to, like, write, like, to do, do math, and he'll give me homework, outside of homework. <laughs> and if I don't do that homework, I can't go home. I couldn't go outside. Yeah. Even, um like, everything, because my parents are not that technologically savvy. Yeah. So I think what actually sparked my interest in technology started around, like, third grade. We had one computer. It was always broken. Um, and they always called me, third grader, to come fix it. And I'm... In my head, I'm like, bro, I'm in like third grade. Like, yeah. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it really, because computer science is all about like problem solving and debugging. There's a lot of people who did math as a major, never coded, who can just hop into software engineering because it's really about the way you think and how you try to h- handle problems. Yeah. So being thrown into, mind you, no phones, no Google, just me, this computer, and vibes. Yeah. Um, and I was able to figure out a lot of what was going on and got me into thinking like, okay, like if this doesn't work, this doesn't work, I can try to do this and Mm -hmm. gave me a lot of good debugging skills out of even though I was generating really early on. Yeah. So I guess as, as you transition into like more of the middle school, early high school years, were, were you getting into more athletics? Were you all academics? What was that kind of transition like? Um, so I didn't really get into athletics until like my freshman year of high school. Um, believe it or not, I was like 4'11 in middle school. Yeah. I was like a late bloomer, real skinny too. I really did love football though. I would play, like, if I was playing something outside with my friends in middle school, it was probably football. Yeah. Um, and I just love like the Ravens, Ray Lewis yep. defense. So I was new, like hard hitting linebacker. I was the one trying to take somebody's head off when they yeah. got the ball. Dope. And so football, you evolve. You go from there. Do you play all four years in high school? No. I played three years in high school. Um, so pretty much my parents were against me playing football. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. But my actually, I lied. My eighth grade year, I, I was playing flag football for the Beltsville Bulls. Yeah. Um, and ninth grade, my parents didn't want me to play, like, contact football, but I snuck out anyways because I live really close to my high school. I can literally, like, walk over there or t- jog over there. Yeah. So I jog over there. I was secretly practicing. Then my little cousin snitched on me. So, but because I played flag football in eighth grade, they assumed that it was the flag football that I was yeah. playing over there. So they let me play my first year. Um, eventually, they saw that it wasn't flag football but at that point it was like mm, I guess we'll see how this pans out yeah um but by the time it got to my junior year I didn't play because my grades weren't slipping I graduated with like a 3.1 but they weren't nothing special yeah so but they wanted me to concentrate on my grades one and then two they just didn't like the violence that the sport bring I never got any major injuries but they're always like very cautious about it yeah 
And yeah, because pretty much every year I had to beg them to play. Yeah, you got to resell them. Yeah. I was able to resell in my senior year, luckily, because I'm like, you know, I can get a scholarship. And they're like, hmm, okay. Yeah. Good now sales tactic. Yeah. Utilizing what they cared about the most. Yep. Smart. So you finish up high school. What was the hardest point of your life up until graduating high school? Hardest point of my life until graduating high school? I'll probably just say, like, just in general, my I wouldn't say, like, I always had what I needed at home. Yes. But I always had to work for what I wanted. So even when I was in, like, when I was, like, 10, I need when I had I needed I had the whole neighborhood on paper when I was ten because I was like I need money to buy stuff that I want, so I had a lemonade stand. I sold cookies. I sold all that by the side of the street. Yeah, hired like three people from my neighborhood. They was working, going door to door, selling the snacks. <laughs> so like, so. I wouldn't say that. Oh, like I didn't have anything. I had a lot, honestly, more than a lot of people around me did, especially, but. Um, I just always knew from young, like, if I want something, I have to go and get it myself. Like, nobody's about to come save me. I can't just wish for something to come down. I have to put it in the work in order to get it. Mm-hmm. I like that. So where did you decide to go to college and why? So I ended up going to Morgan State University, uh, the national treasure. Okay. Um, I ended up choosing Morgan State because... Like I said, I played football. I also did wrestling and track, but I played football. I ended up getting a scholarship, but it was for um, a private school. I think it was Division Two private school. I forgot which one it was specifically. It's been a while. Maybe it was like a Catholic school or something like that. Regardless, the tuition fees were so high, the amount of the scholarship didn't even cover the full amount. So I'm the last child out of four. Um, at that point in time, my parents were not going to have enough just to sponsor me during school. I knew for a fact I didn't want to stay at home. I love my parents, and I love them off because of distance, but especially during high school, like, I was ready to get out of there. Like, yeah. I needed to leave for my own well-being. Yes. Um, so it was looking like I was either going to join the military or go – no, I wasn't going to go to community college. I was probably going to join the military. Yeah. Um, but then I got this scholarship from Morgan State, and I was surprised because, like, in high school I wasn't a slouch – um, but at the same time, I started off pretty slow, and my GPA was like a 3.1, so I wasn't expecting like any scholarships or anything like that. Yeah. But they ended up giving me a full ride. Um, I just had to worry about room and board, but they gave me full tuition scholarship, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to Morgan State. And then you did all four years there? Yes, sir. So what did you study there then? Computer science. Okay, and then that led you to Chicago? No. Well, yes, technically, but... Yeah, it's a long road before Chicago, but I ended up uh, going to Chicago when I graduated in 21. <coughs> so what did college look like? Let's kind of journey down this road. So what did college look like? Okay, so college looked like, so I chose computer science because my dad saw something on TV about like cybersecurity jobs and the rise of them. Um, cybersecurity and computer science, somewhat the same, but not really. The dif- There's a big difference, and I'm so glad I didn't choose cybersecurity. But I chose computer science because I thought it was, and I found out that it wasn't, so... At Morgan State, there's this thing called the Google of Residence. Google of Residence means that a full-time software engineer teaches uh, the Intro to Computer Science course at the school. So I was doing well in classes, and I was somewhat new to coding. And But yet my teacher pulled, pulled me to the side. He was like, yo, you should, pull, you should uh, apply to this thing called the EP internship. And I was like, okay, sure. I wasn't going to do it. Um, 
he but he was he kept pressuring me to like apply, apply, apply. And eventually I kept thinking about it. I was like, hmm, he might be onto something. So pretty much the EP internship is like a internship for freshmen and sophomores uh to, you know, have their internship at Google. Yeah. And I was like, I just started coding like a couple weeks ago. Google is not about to hire me. Am I about to waste my time on this application? Yeah. But like the day of the deadline, I don't know what possessed me, but I was just like, man, I'm just watching YouTube right now. Like I might as well see what happened. I literally used the same resume I applied to McDonald's because I was working at McDonald's. Uh, the same resume applied in, and then I actually got an interview, and I was like, what? That's crazy. So I'm like, let me take this computer science stuff seriously. Had like five interviews. They actually came in person, like two or three in person, two or three on the phone. Uh, by January of my freshman year in college, I got an offer to intern at Google. Wow. And so you're in a position of interning there, but, like, on the extracurricular side, or did you get a part of any, like, frats? Do you have any fun? Like, outside of the academics, like, what was what was the full picture? So outside of the academics, I got really involved in student government. I was a speaker of the Senate for student government for two years and regular senator for one. Um, also, I just, I was a party guy. I still am a party guy. I've yeah. been hosting parties a lot. Um, but I knew how to balance it at the same time. I was also involved in uh, ASO, African Student Organization, on the dance team. So um, dancing was also a big part of it. And actually, dancing taught me a lot of transferable skills, too, when it comes to, like, public speaking. That helped me with SGA run and just in general by, like, expressing myself, which was pretty cool. Yes. So I guess with that, like, what, why? Like, why be a part of all of those things? Like, what was, the, what was, like, the most meaningful thing to you? Like, what was the point and purpose of it? Well, one, just I feel like finding community is really important. Um, pe- you know, spend time with people who like to do the same things that you do and just, like, having fun. Um, work is very important, but, like, things that just give you enjoyment are equally important, you know? Yes. You can't just work yourself to the ground. Um, I also forgot to mention that I founded a club, Developer Student Club. Um, it's pretty much like bridging the, the gap between theory and practice. So a lot of times when I was had my first internship, I had no idea what I was doing until like two months in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, I thought I was like, I, I don't know if I can curse or not, but I thought I no, was. No, yeah, you can. Uh, I thought I was a shit. Like I was like, I came in with my head up high, chest up. Like, oh, yeah, I got this offer my freshman year. And, and then, I mean, I, I I crossed the line, but at the same time, I was like, there's so much stuff I did not know before I started. Mm-hmm. So that's why I started the club, so people can have some more hands-on experience in school to get them ready to do these projects yeah. at their internships. Yeah, absolutely. That's fire. So I guess you're in the process. You're starting your internship. And, and how long did you do the internship for then? So I did it for three summers, um, and they're three months each. Okay. First time, my first summer, 2018, YouTube, it was a vibe. I was in San Bruno, which is like a suburb of San Francisco. Yeah. Um, second summer, Google Cloud, I was in San Francisco, actually San Francisco, San Francisco. And you're simultaneously going to school, or this is during summer? They pl- they flew you out and took care of, like, room, board, whatever it would be for the internship, and you're in these cities? Yeah, I'm in these cities. This wow. is during the summertime. Uh they don't. They gave you money to fly you out and all that, but is it like part diem? A lot of it. Oh, okay. Is is it like part diem? Like some some companies will give you. Is that how you say it? Part diem. Is that how you guys say it? Yeah. Right. I don't know. It's like corporate term for like they just give you money to do whatever you want with. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. 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 And it was enough to like a, like afford like San Francisco. I think of California. and I'm like, 
Did you have? Did you find like another job to help like make things shake? They definitely pay interns a decent amount. Like when it was more money that I've like seen. Yes. And, and I was like, wow, I'm in freshman year of school, sophomore year of school, making this money. Yeah. Um, How happy were your parents? I want to interject. Oh, uh, they were ecstatic. Yeah, to see you making money and things yeah. like that. All paid off. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, I mean, they always knew that I was smart, but, like, out of my sisters, I didn't get, like, all A's in, like, high school and all that. I mean, it was, I, I think everybody knew I had, like, potential, but they didn't know I would be able to realize Capitalize that. on it so quickly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, I would say they gave me almost just enough. You, San Francisco is a very, very expensive place. Yeah. I cannot lie. How do you compare it to Chicago, expense-wise? Expense-wise? I mean, Chicago is very expensive, but, like, you can actually live in the city and not, like... So, for example, uh, Chicago, you can live in, like, South Loop or something, which is pretty much downtown, and you're looking at, like, market price of about... For one bed, one bath, uh, you're looking at a price of, like, like one eight to, like, 2200 something like that. In San Francisco, you're going to have a roommate for that price, and you're probably going to need a roommate. You might be have two roommates for 2000 and you're not going to be in, like, South Loop area. You're probably going to be, like, on the outskirts of town. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, I recently bought a property in Chicago. Let's go. Um, Like, really, like, literally on the border of Bronzeville and South Loop. And I knew if I was in the Bay Area, I would not be able to afford no place around, like, the Mission District or none of that. Not even in San Bruno. I would have to, like, go all the way out the way to be able to afford something over there. Yeah. Now, so... San Bruno, and then you go, where do you go next for your second internship? San Francisco. San Francisco, and then where's your third? Uh, Beltsville, virtually. Okay, so where's Beltsville? Maryland. Maryland. Okay, so you worked there virtually then. What was your favorite internship? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say my favorite internship is the second one. Um, almost the first one because it's like the entry. Oh, well, I was at the YouTube office specifically. YouTube is like, it's, technic- it's under Google's own company. I love YouTube, but I would say that since I was more seasoned in my second internship, um, I was able to do a lot more. So I think one of my favorite moments was not even with the actual core project worked. Um, pretty much I was able to bring about 25 students in the Bay Area who were minorities, in tech at least, mm. and bring them to Google for a day and have like a whole bunch of workshops for them to not only like understand all the careers in tech, because I didn't know much about tech before I got into tech. And when I thought about Google, I thought about, okay, like software engineer, that's it. But when I got into Google, I'm like, oh, program manager, product manager, uh, people who are in like doing different things in marketing, yeah. some people working in data centers. I'm like, wow, there's so many diversity of careers here. There's so much in tech. I so much. Literally, like I literally don't understand even like the tip of the iceberg. I feel like I've just been thrown into this group with Meet and Landon almost two years ago and... I feel like every day I learn something new, and I feel like I'm still like at the surface level of, of tech. So it's definitely really intriguing and really cool to see everything you guys do. So as you're graduating college, what does the road from graduation to being in Chicago look like? So I graduate college, tell my recruiter, don't put me in the Bay Area. Um, and then we're looking at different spots. I said I also didn't want to go to Seattle. I didn't so want you have to- a recruiter? Yeah, so once you get the... So pretty much um, how it works, this isn't the same for everybody, but um, we don't really have to re-interview sometimes for your return offer. Luckily, I didn't have to re-interview, so I just have to play the waiting game. I got the offer, 
once you get the offer, then before they talk about like money and all that, they want to and teams they want to get the location first. So talk to my recruiter. Your recruiter still handles all of that. Yeah. And I just said I don't want to go to the Bay Area. I don't want to be in Seattle. What are we about to do? And then what's wrong with Seattle? It just well I visited Seattle once. One, I don't know. I don't want to be in the West Coast. I'm from Maryland, so like them flights was killer if I ever wanted to travel home. Hell but two, yeah. like I don't know, West Coast culture just is not for me. It's yeah. a, it's something that I really appreciate that experience. How would you describe it in two or three words? Two or three words. I've never been to the West Coast. I'm supposed mm. to go. I would say like West Coast culture is like there's nothing wrong with always hustling, but it's like always hustling, and it's a bit fake at sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the fakeness that gets me. Yeah, like not authentic. Yeah. Like they seem scripted. It's not like they seem scripted. It's like they mean what they say, but it's like you're want to connect with me because you want to do this, not because you want to connect with me. Yeah, it's not a genuine connection. Yeah. Yes. Um, I can feel that. I felt like there was a lot of like and I will go to the club. People will be like, "Oh, what tech company do you work at?" I'll call an Uber back home. I'm lit. It's the middle of the night. Uber talking about his startup. His startup. I'm like, bro, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I can't even function right now. It's actually, bro. I've seen people fight about whose dad is richer. Like, this is not even Stop. something. I, this is a real fight. If I go to my Snapchat memories to summer 2019, this guy he takes his shirt off, talks about what his dad does, and the guys Stop. were getting into it. Stop. <laughs> Sounds like something one of these two would do. <laughs> Nah. I was like, I mean, it's it was cool, but I just I can't I couldn't. I yeah, couldn't no, that's definitely not my vibe. Sometimes I I wonder myself. I'll, I'll like ask my people because I'm, I guess, I want to make sure I'm not constantly just portraying. Even though I am like a twenty four seven like hustle mindset, I like I agree with the authenticity and genuineness. You know what I mean? Like if you ever ask me some shit, and if it's true, I'm gonna be like, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like in correspondence with, with anything that could be my personal life. Uh, diet, people are like, you know, are you always on diet? No, not at all. You know what I mean? Like, I'd say like 70, 80% or something like that. But I, I try to be fully transparent in, in every way. But I also, being in, a, in an insurance business, uh, the biggest return on investment for me is recruiting and attracting people to come, you know, into my business and sell insurance. Right. So it's like, but it's like, I try to find that balance of like showing what needs to be done in order to like produce consistent, sustainable results, but also, for me, like living my life, like, you know, maybe going like I'm not a big like go out person, but that doesn't mean I like don't have stimulation for my mind. I think you should do what you like to do for stimu- stimulating your mind, your brain. Like what brings you a sense of fulfillment and joy? For me, it's movies. Like for mm. me, I'm a big like I'm definitely going to catch up at least two, three movies probably a week, you know, and that's probably something that I don't portray a lot that maybe I should portray more, but I don't know. It's like weird. Like it's cool. It's easier to you know flex the club opposed to like flexing. You know what I mean? Like the Hulk or something. I mean, nah. I mean, flexing the Hulk is a lot to flex. Yes, that is. Um, I would say that a lot of times, and there's nothing wrong with not liking to go out. Um, but I would say there's a for people who do like to go out and they choose not to. I would, I wouldn't say not caution against it, but I'll say when I was in the Bay Area, a lot of the most meaningful connections that I made. It bites parties. me in the ass that I don't like to. So it's like it. I don't. I I have to ask myself, what will it cost me if I don't go out tonight? Because like, mm. there's another Landon out there that I can meet 
and genuinely meet, not just meet and be like, yo, I just I just 10x my my network. You know what I mean? And there's like there's another George out there that I can meet and just build a genuine connection with. So I think it helps me to like asking, what's the cost of me not doing this? Kind of like with entrepreneurship, like what's the cost of me not doing the work that I need to do? It's just gonna take either longer or I'm gonna get less of a result or a reward. So that that helps motivate me when I'm like, man, I do not want to take this hour Uber to the to the city. And uh, that is, yeah, that is a long way. You know what I mean? Hour there, hour back. And then it's like, in addition to that, you know, it's like, you know, who's out here? That's nuts. You know, to run up and like try to touch camera equipment or if I got to bring the camera, dude, you know what I mean? It's like, I got to protect him. I got to protect me, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. A lot of things run through my mind. And then I'm not a drinker, you know? So, but, but then again, it's like, do what makes you happy. I never like go out of my way to make anybody feel bad or feel weird. Yeah. Because I feel like that's where you like stop a relationship is when you make someone feel bad or make them feel weird. You know I, what I mean? I agree. I think that also I'm not a big, like some people like, oh, you got to drink or you got to uh You can this. have fun. You can have fun without yeah. drinking. I'd be lit as hell. I'd be water. fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say I don't drink. I definitely get lit, but yeah. I just know like what it does to your body. Yeah. So I always try to like, right? if I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink today. If I'm not going to drink today, I'm not drinking at all. Yeah. And I try to like balance that all out a yes. lot. Yeah, I, I respect that a lot. So internship to present day, so the road to Chicago. Did we complete that story? Oh, almost. So me and my recruiter were talking. They suggested Chicago to me. Well, I suggested New York, but I'm so happy I ended up, not, ended up going to New York. But they were like, because it was just coming out the pandemic, the pandemic, or still in the height of the pandemic, actually. Yeah. So there's lower headcount in a lot of places, and they said that only if you enter New York, you can go to New York. So I was like, hmm, I really don't know where I want to go. And then my recruiter was like, have you thought about Chicago? And I was like, no, I have no family here. I ain't know nobody until I moved here. Yeah. Um, But I was like, this might be like a cool, you know, fresh slate. Talk to some people who I knew were. Well, I talked to some people who knew people over here. Talked to them. Heard good things about it. Um, and actually, it turns out that somebody, the director level, specifically requested for my application to go to Chicago, which is why she suggested it to me. Wow. And I was like, well, you should have led with that, honestly. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. um, I made the decision to come over here, moved here in August of 2021. Never regretted it. I loved it ever since. Yeah. So now, August 2021 until present day, what does that journey look like? August 2021. That's a year. Day. Yeah. So... Um, in between here and now, I met a lot of people, and I'm going to fast forward to November where I thought of the idea for Tech Look Up Shy. So one thing I did like about the Bay Area was that it's easy for you to network with other people within your profession. Um, and I saw that there wasn't as many, especially since we're just in the, still in the midst of the pandemic, there wasn't as many opportunities for people in tech in Chicago. There wasn't like a tech community yeah. um, at that point in time. So Tech LinkUp wasn't the first thing I thought of was Chicago tech community was the first iteration of that idea. Um, and I knew there was the Afrotech conference. Afrotech, for context, people don't know, is like a really big conference. I think it's going to be in Austin this year for black people in tech. Yeah. So Afrotech last year, I forgot where it was, but they had happy, happy hours in big major cities. So I went to the happy hour in Chicago with the idea of adding as many people into this Chicago tech community group chat as possible. And I really wanted to focus on black people um, and underrepresented people in tech. So that chart starts out. Um, at first, I'm just, you know, meeting people, adding them to the chat, posting the fun things to do. 
And then uh, fast forward to April, no, March. Um, and I'm thinking, hmm, I have this chat full of people. At this point, it grew to about 120 or so. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of appetite for in-person events right now. Things are starting to open up. But I didn't want, so the whole point of Tank Leak Up Chicago is like creating comfortable networking environments, right? Yeah. Not everybody can just go into a happy hour and be a social butterfly. Um, I would call myself somewhat of an ambivert. Some people know me as like the life of the party. Some people know me as quiet and reserved. It really just depends on my social battery on that particular day. Yeah. I, on the days where I'm quiet and reserved, I can understand how a lot of people don't like happy hours because you like, if you come with your people, sometimes you stick to with your people. And it's hard to, unless you just have that boldness, hard to integrate into other cliques sometimes. Yeah. Some, I've been to a lot of good happy hours where I met a lot of people, but that might just be me in high energy mode. Mm. But the first meetup I did was in April. It was at Whirly Ball. And it, it made people, from what I've heard, that because they performed, they played this game together. Even they didn't know each other, they were able to, you know, talk smack to each other, yeah. talk about the game. And then after the game was over, it was like they had something that they can do, like have a commonality. And they also both work in tech and that can go somewhere. So I didn't have the name Tech Link Up yet, but my second event was, is actually had a little bit of controversy to it. Um, I, I remember that. You yeah, guys had to switch places. We had to switch places last minute, unfortunately. So pretty much I reserved at this place called Kanye Lounge or whatever. And it was for axe throwing. But for whatever reason, at the last minute, they sent me a voicemail talking about, like, oh, don't bring your people here anymore. And this is a, a bridge version here, by the way. Yes. There was a whole bunch of, I don't even want to get into it. Yeah. So I heard a paraphrase and I was like, oh, that's just, that's just nuts. Yeah, it was really crazy. Luckily, I really Especially Ball for was, such a diversified city already. That's what I'm thinking. It makes like zero sense. And people run Kanye Lounge. I think it's a Hispanic owned business. Yeah. So I'm like, come on, like, why y'all doing this? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, why y'all doing this? Um, but yeah, luckily, Whirly Ball was in the same area as Kanye Lounge. I was able to make a quick transition. And a lot of people, a lot of people still came out, surprisingly, in the yep. last minute transition. We did laser tag instead. And then we went on the roof. And it was like a really, it was a vibe. It, yeah, was, it was the beginning of summertime shy. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. And so from there until most recent, I guess more more so with the present, let me ask this question. Who is the top two, three coolest people you've met up until this point in your life? In my whole life. Yeah, in your whole life. Top two, three coolest. Huh, top two, three coolest people in my whole life. I got to think about that one. I mean, for one, I got to shout out. Um, I got to shout out my parents, one. I'm a, I guess I'm going to talk about people who influenced my journey the most. Yeah. So my parents, one, because... From young, they instilled into me, like, well, one, they got me interested in technology inadvertently. Yes. <laughs> and two, they always instilled into me hard work. And I've seen them work hard, long nights, like real long nights. My mom studying to go to school, um, you know, putting my sisters through school. So, yeah. And what they even did to come to America, like, um, my parents, number one. Two... I would have to say my professor from freshman year, his name is Amin Sheikh. Um, he put me on the path to where I am now because mm. on my own, I would have never applied to Google. I barely applied when he told me to apply. Yeah. Because um, it's not something that I thought I was. it was possible for me to do. He instilled that confidence in you. Yeah. 
And three, I would have to say, um, he doesn't know it, but his name is Jerron Petty. It's somebody who I interned with my very first summer because he made the intern group chat that year and he brought a lot of the black interns together. And I really liked the way he did that. And it kind of inspired me um, to build a lot of communities that I built afterwards because I saw the way that he built that community with the black interns my first year. Let's go. That's dope. Who was the last one? Jerron? Yeah. Jerron Petty. Yep. And then and then how, how was his relation to you? Um, we were cool. We hung out a lot, okay. especially the first two summers. We both interned at Google. Now he founded uh, ColorStack, which is also something I respected him for because um, he had an offer to go to Google full-time for the mm. associate product manager, yeah. but he declined the offer to start his own thing. And ColorStack pretty much is a... I think is a, I don't know if it's a company or nonprofit, but it pretty much, the whole thing behind it is getting more black and Latinx and other people of color into tech um, because a lot of us are not exposed to it at a young age. I met some people, in, so many people at Google who were wannabe software engineers or data scientists since they were like 10. And I'm like, damn, bro, I was just playing football. Like, I ain't know yeah. none of this stuff. That's dope. So would you say the hardest adversity you've had to endure in your whole life was just that that hardship as a child, you know what I mean, having to be so zoned in at all at all times from your parents? Yeah, I would say that um, I had to learn how to relax within the last two years just because, like, I see my parents grind, I see my sisters grind, so I'm like, I have to grind to get what I want because yeah. where I'm at right now is not where I want to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that there was any, like, I mean, there was a lot of major things going on, but, like, it wasn't directly in relation to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, but did it impact you then, obviously, like, indirectly? Yeah, it did impact me indirectly. Um, but I don't know if I can get into that on the podcast. Unless you, if you don't want to, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? All right. Um Okay, so more, let's tip tip back into kind of like your future vision. You know, where do you see yourself over the next five to ten years? What does that look like? Five to ten years. See, I, I love and I hate this question because... Yeah, I, I'm the same way. <laughs> I know I have an overall vision, but I don't know what that is. Like, most people are like, oh, because like, a lot of people see me, oh, yeah, George is very detail-oriented. He must have a plan. I'm like, nah, not really. Yeah. I know I have a general idea of what I want to do, and... That is one um, scale up Justice for Cameroon in a way that it can really impact even more people than it's What's the why right behind Justice for Cameroon? Why behind Justice for Cameroon? So, 2016, I heard about like the Anglophone crisis from like my aunts and uncles. What's that crisis? Anglophone crisis. Good question. So, um, it's pretty much the basis behind it is that it started from a protest from school teachers were in the English-speaking region because they were not, like, getting the jobs. They're bringing a lot of French teachers in. They felt like they didn't have enough opportunities. This peaceful protest was met with violence. Um, and I, I don't remember this, but I remember, like, people, like, there was a lot of people who died. Um, and this started, this radicalized a lot of people. They shut down the Internet. This started a lot more protests just in general because it wasn't just education. It was, yeah. like, a lot of different places. If you didn't know French, you weren't really going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so this radicalized a lot of people, especially when they shut the internet down for a couple months. And then there were the armed separatists, also known as the Ember Boys, 
or Ambazonian, which is why they call Ember Boys. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty much a civil war that's been going on for a while, which has impacted Cameroon. Because Cameroon was a relatively, even though it had its problem, it was very peaceful, mostly up until that point. Um, but most of the GDP from Cameroon came from the northwest and southwest regions, which are the English-speaking regions. Um, a lot of people have been displaced. I think it was over like 100,000 people displaced or more. Um, but specifically how it impacted uh, my family, my mom's from a smaller town called Nguti, and they had to vacate that town. Mm. And they started to come back within the last couple of years, but like th- they had to completely abandon it because it was not safe to be there at that point in time. Um, so I, I always was aware of it. I always heard stories. You know, a lot of people get kidnapped for ransom, yeah. um, things like that, because the Ember Boys, it's like a gray area. They're not good or bad. The government, mm, it's not as great. They're kind of like a- amplifying it. What is the government there? The government, the French government, um, there's only been two presidents since Cameroon was instilled in 1960, um, Amadou Aijo and Paul Bia. So do they serve as like... Is it two presidents simultaneously serving? No, no, no. Just in general. I'm just saying since 1916, there's been two presidents. And Paul B. Is it like a communist nation? It's not communist. It's technically a democracy. And I mean, it's also capitalist. Yeah. Okay. But technically a democracy. But Paul B. has been in power since like 1980 something. Um, And he's still in power right now. Yeah, hell no. So, yeah, that just goes to show like. It's it's there's a lot of like underlying issues and yes between it. Um I forgot my train of thought. I forgot where I was going with this. Wrapping back into the why. Oh why yes, yes, there we go. Okay. So I always knew I wanted to get involved, but I didn't know one how to get involved. I mean, yes, I'm Cameroonian and one thing about Maryland is very culturally diverse. There's a huge Cameroon community and just immigrants in general. I grew up in mostly an immigrant town. It was actually rare for somebody to be just um, like fully African American, um, and it's rare to meet somebody who was like white. Um, so I had a big Cameroon community, but I wasn't really on the continent. I wasn't really in the country, understanding the intricacies and the everything of the issue. And then on top of that, I'm like, I don't know how to help, how to spread awareness. There's so much misinformation going on right now. Like it's actually insane. Then I got into this thing called the university from University of California called um, Summer Institutes for Emerging Managers and Leaders. This was my junior year of college. Mm. Um, I think it's a summer going into before my senior year. And it's more of a business thing, but I still got in somehow. Yeah. And there was a pitch competition and I was reading the profiles of the judges. And then I see... Um, uh, for a, a, one of the judges, her name was Christina Kullberg. I believe she was Cuban or uh, somewhere around that area. But she had a an NGO in Cameroon. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. So What's an I, NGO? A non-governmental organization. It's pretty much similar to a nonprofit. Okay. Um, and I was like, I asked my program coordinator, can you connect me with this judge after this thing is over? And she's like, yeah, sure. We had a long conversation her thing is called Open Dreams. It's actually a really great organization where it was founded by her and one of her classmates at Harvard named Blaze Buma. Okay. Um, and she's not Cameroonian, but she was just moved by Blaze's story. Pretty much, he's from Bamenda, I think, which is in Cameroon. And um, he ended. He had to work really hard. It ended up getting a scholarship um, to Harvard, but 
he if it wasn't for that scholarship, he didn't think he would be in the same position he is now. So he found an open dreams so he can one, like give students a safe place to study and have like community as well. But two, he also like gets students um scholarships to countries abroad as well. So they have uh students in Ghana, um students in America. I've actually met a couple of the students. One of them actually was on just of Cameroon for a little bit as well and places in Europe. And so is all of your guys' outreach, where is it accomplished through? Um, so outreach is accomplished to Instagram. Um, but let me backtrack right quick so to tie that in together. Okay. So when I, when I was helping out at Open Dreams, I did a couple workshops with them. And I asked um, James Akaba, who's like one of the main program coordinators, I was like, you guys do really amazing work. I had no idea you guys existed. Who else do you know who's doing good work like you That's guys? That's a great question. Um, he gave me a long list. I vetted the list. I created like a like a little uh, card page with all of them together. And I was like, hmm, there was a page that already existed named Justice for Cameroon. But I like the fact they're trying to spread awareness about it, like how they're doing it. So they were just posting like mutilated bodies, um, all of this stuff that was going on. And it's like, yes, this is real life. But at the same time, People are just looking at this. You just post somebody's body online, and it's like, what is somebody supposed to do about that? You didn't give links about where to donate. You didn't fully explain what the Anglophone crisis was. Nobody has any context of what to do with this information. And they haven't also posted in over a year at this point. So I'll contact that page. I'm like, yo, let me get this page. I want to take it over, and this is that. Let me get the page. Call some of my Cameroonian friends. Had a spawn meeting, and then we started Justice for Cameroon, and the idea is... Not just to spread awareness, but to uh, tell people what they can do about it, where they can donate, where they can volunteer, um, but also give them historical context of how it started. So, because I feel like it to understand how to end something, you need to understand how it started and what's currently going on. Yeah. Now, do you guys have any stats on how much money you've raised since you started really putting a big focus, or just anything you guys have, any like major milestones you guys have accomplished? Um, so we've indirectly raised probably over $10,000 indirectly. That's huge. Just because like... I'm How much a, does that translate over into their currency? Um, honestly, I think about 2000 US dollars is about a million francs. Wow. But a million francs isn't like a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It depends <laughs> on like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think just about. So, but money that we've directly raised, so... We we for we raise money for particular people. So I've seen this DW. I forgot what DW stands for, but it's kind of like this news agency. Some for somebody named um, Helen. Uh, I forgot her last name, but pretty much her story is that uh, she was raped by uh, Cameroon soldiers, unfortunately, and she had to flee from where her area was. Mm. She was pregnant by this, and she had nowhere to go. She was taken in by an organization that's called, I hope I remember off the top of my head, Hope for Rehabilitation Organization. There we go. That's based in Yaoundé, I believe. Yaoundé is the capital of Cameroon. Okay. And they help, she's what they call an IDP, internally displaced people, and she's just one of many stories. I saw her story. I contacted Hope for Rehabilitation Organization because I really love what they're doing. Not only were they helping her out, but they were giving free trauma counseling, which is like a very overlooked part. A lot, it just in general, like um, when you hear about stories like of what people are going through, a lot of people don't think about like the how is mentally impacted them. It's like, oh, here's some money, right? Yeah. But not like, let me talk to you. Like, how does this make you feel? Mm-hmm. You know? 
So talked to them about it, and I was actually able to raise about $2,500 for her to start a business for her so she can make enough money to start a business, be self-sufficient, and um, take care of her child. That's huge. Another one we did recently, we did a Valentine's Day auction for another family. Um, and I believe her name is, I forgot her name off the top of my head, but she has about four kids. In Cameroon, you have to pay school fees in order to go to school. Um, so she didn't have enough money to just pay cool school fees. So we raised about $2,000 as well for her and to put like her youngest child through school and her second yeah. youngest child through school. That's dope. That's really dope. I hope you guys got that. Justice for Cameroon. Justice for Cameroon. Let's go. I love that. Let's tie into something, um, you know, maybe a little lighter. You have a bunch of money. What would you blow it on outside of Justice for Cameroon? Um, hmm. I'll probably blow it on real estate. Real estate? <laughs> if possible. Yes. But if we're just talking about fun stuff. Fun stuff. I would blow it on, I don't know, house. I don't know. I really don't splurge a lot, honestly. Probably new clothes, new jewelry. Infinite amount, though. Infinite like, amount. Yeah, yeah. I like. I like. I want. I like jewelry. Like you probably see, I got. Yes. All this. Um, I like getting a lot of custom made earrings. I got like probably like I could probably do like a whole fashion show of the different type of earrings that I got. Yeah. Probably. Well, hope my parents don't hear this, but probably get a tattoo. Yeah. So I was actually going to get one until he got. My tattoo artist got his arm broken. It's like, hmm, that's a sign. <laughs> yeah. What, and uh, what's wrong with the tattoo? Does it go against the culture or religion? Not neither necessarily. but Or just, just their expectations as a parent? Just their expectations as a parent. Okay. That's um, but it is very common for Cameroonians and Africans in general to be very against, like, tattoos, earrings, et cetera. Like, I don't even wear my earrings around my parents because um, my parents, like, flipped out when they saw... I got my ears pierced my first day of freshman year of college. Mm. <laughs> I came back. I was wearing clear piercings because you know you can't really take them out the yes. first time you get getting yeah, pierced. Yeah. So I was wearing clear piercings. My mom is very observant. And we were sitting. I had a I had on clear piercings and a hoodie on. Yes. And my mom was like, Georgie, what's that in your ear? And I'm like, how did she know? Yeah. And then my dad was like, huh? Because my dad, he doesn't really notice until my mom noticed. She's like the detector and he's like the... Enforcer, yeah, and he's then on the ride back home because we were at the grocery store when they realized my dad just kept rapping, be like, "Oh, you can't be wearing that stuff, you know, it's not good, yeah, you know, people are gonna judge you, this, this, and that." I'm like, "Bro, it's like, it's, it's not the olden days. Like, I understand, yeah, it's 2022, from, bro. But like, chill, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. What would you say if somebody asked you, "Hey, listen, what are your top two, three strengths?" Top two, three strengths. Um, I know for one would probably be like organization. Um, to a T, like for like everything that I do, I always have like a set plan and I'm really good at communicating that plan to other people because I feel like a plan isn't good unless somebody else can just take it and I'm not there and they can run with that. Yes, I agree. Um, I would say to community building, I was able to build like a lot of communities throughout Morgan. Um, even to the right this day, there's still like Morgan State Computer Science group chat that's thriving with alumni in there because I created it because I saw that people need to get together. And I don't know, I also throw a lot of parties as well. Yeah. Um, I just like bringing people together. And hmm, what will be my third one? I don't know. Nothing that comes too up the top solid. of my head. Yeah, too, too solid. solid. Communication and then community building. So I think that's dope. Now, 
what about do you have a favorite food, a favorite dish, or a favorite restaurant? Yes, my favorite food is called Ndola. Um, it's a Cameroonian dish. I love. I make it like all the time, and it's pretty much How like. How do you spell it? I want to Google it, see what it looks like. N D O L E, and I think the E has an accent mark, but you don't really need it. Ndola is a Cameroonian dish. So let's let's uh, let me read this. Ndola is a Cameroonian dish consisting of stewed nuts. Indole and fish or beef. This dish may also contain shrimp, traditionally eaten with plantains, bobolo, etc. Is that a good explanation? Yes, sir. Um, favorite things. It. I would say the closest things to give you guys a visual would be like cream spinach. Yeah. But it, it's not even exactly like you. The nuts you cream the nuts. So like until I made it my own, I had no idea there are nuts inside bobolo. I mean, I said bobolo um, indole. And you can eat it. It tastes really good with plantains. It's my favorite. Yes. Bubble is a qu- close second. And bubble is like fermented cassava. It's very... Um, this just looks good. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. Yeah, that looks fire. That looks good. So do you have a favorite restaurant? I don't. I really, is there any Cameroonian restaurants in Chicago? There is actually one. It's called Bokaru Lounge. Do you like it? Yeah. Um, I would say it's actually one of the... So there's this thing called uh, Soya... Or suya might be more common pronunciation for like uh, people who are not Cameroonian, but it's like very well spiced beef, um, and it's just delicious. Yeah. And it's he had in Chicago at least had some of the best suya that I've tasted in Chicago. Let's go. Now, are you a movies or a shows person? Shows. Um, I like seeing character development over time, and I don't know. I always feel like movies are rushed. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite show? Top two. Top two, Attack on Titan. And I will say I'll, I'll go for another anime, Hunter Hunter. Hunter Hunter? Hunter Hunter. Yeah. What is Attack on Titan? Uh, man, you got to watch it. You guys got to tell. Like, what's Attack on Titan? Attack on Titan is this anime. I'm not going to spoil it because I want y'all to watch it. But pretty much it starts out, there are these things called Titans that eat humans and most of the world's population as it seems is been taken out by these titans there's a wall that stands between the current humans and the titans but it's a lot more three-dimensional than a monster versus human story that you would expect so yeah. i really encourage you to watch it do you like dragon ball z yes it, it's uh it used to be one of my favorites until i started watching a lot more animes yeah but i grew up on gbz yeah did you watch the newest movie no, the superhero one? Yeah. No, I have not watched it yet. Did you watch it? I did. Uh, oh, yeah, because you're a moviegoer. Yeah, exactly. So, like, and and I was in the show growing up for a good bit, but then I, like, fell off a little in high school. So, it for me, my standards are, like, low. So, like, I really like the movie. Peter loves Dragon Ball Z, and he liked the movie. So, like, I feel like if he liked the movie and he's, like, hardcore into the show, like, he's never really, like... So he, like, knows everything about it, mm-hmm. and he liked the movie. Because I feel like sometimes when they make movies, you know what I mean, obviously if it's recreating a show or it's just recreating something that you fell in love with pre-existing, you know what I mean, with a movie not there, be like if they made, like, a, uh, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm watching House of Dragons. Bro. Okay, I was going to say, it, it would be like if, it, we would all be worried if they made, like, a Game of Thrones movie of, like, how do you live up to the show that you created. So for me, I like the Dragon Ball Z movie, but... That's that's my like my personal opinion of like low movie standards. I mean, so you probably have higher standards than me because when it comes to movies, I feel like I'm somewhat easily impressed. 
Yeah. For, I am. Yeah. For Dragon Ball Z, though, I'll say that I did not like Dragon Ball Super that much, but it had some good moments in it. The show? The show. I didn't like the show. That's um, the one where they fight Lord Beerus? Yeah. I like that moment. I like Beerus as a character. I like love Beerus yeah. as a character. There's just a lot of moments in the show. A lot of boring like, shit. Like, I haven't finished uh, the whole show. Yeah, it's not worth it. I'll just skip to maybe Ultra Instinct. Yeah, that's what popped up. So spoiler alert. That's go. So I, I'm not gonna talk because <laughs> you haven't seen the movie. But oh uh, yeah, don't, yeah, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I ain't gonna I'm tell gonna you watch. I'm gonna watch it. All right, yeah. So I won't tell you the movie. All right, we'll start to uh, wrap up. We're probably an hour in. Uh, do you, are you desserts at all? Any sweet tooth? Mm, not much of a sweet tooth like I used to be, but. Yeah. If I were to get some, I'll get like red velvet cake. Yeah, that's fire. Oh, Velvet Taco has a good red velvet cake. Velvet Taco's in the city. Interesting. Where's I, that at? Uh, it's in Wrigleyville, Lincoln Park. Yeah, Wrigleyville, oh. Lincoln Park. Whatever. Is that what you said, Wrigleyville, Lincoln Park? Yeah. Yeah, Velvet Taco. They have a red velvet cake. Landon actually showed me it too. Interesting. Yeah, it's good. It's got a good, really good red velvet cake, yeah, in my opinion. Let me write that down on my list. Yes. What about um, hobbies outside of work right now? Um, I just love to do a lot of like things that I see randomly in Eventbrite. So I saw this, well, it wasn't Eventbrite, but I saw this, uh, biking thing. Yeah. I think they call it streets calling like a bike ride. So I've been biking a lot lately. I like hooping. Yeah. Um, sometimes I go to a comedy show. Yeah. Yeah. I love uh, that. just anything that gets me active. I got class pass too. So if you're not familiar, if y'all don't know, class pass is this app where, there's a whole bunch of like fitness classes on there and other stuff too. So like you can get like a whole different type of workout. I did this thing called bar. Bar is like ballet, but it's yeah. like You'd be intense. surprised. That shit was intense, bro. Yeah, I just started like professional yoga classes again. Oh, like right. having a yoga instructor and I'd be in there like dead, like just mad at the teacher. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I accidentally went to an advanced yoga class one time and they folded me up like a pretzel bra. Yeah. I did not know what I was getting myself into. I'm dead dead i actually have that uh wednesday and it's it's like right now it's like the most dreadful part of my week it's like yo i'm about to go get messed up with these old ladies you know, Bro, know i'm about to be old dead these will put you to shame yes bar class because it's like ballet but they were like uh, 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 and i was panting I was like, uh, yeah uh, i would have been dead uh, i can already tell i would have been dead i think that's i think that's everything i wanted to cover i don't think there's anything tech controversial that i i want to talk on or anything like that is there anything else you think I should hit on, Aiden? I feel like I've hit on yeah. a good bit. Yeah. So this is another episode of Adversity Kings. Solid hour in with George Makundi. Shout out Justice for Cameroon. Shout out all his socials. Anything else you want to plug in again? Um. Yeah. Just follow. I mean, you can follow me as well. At G underscore Makunde. M-A-K-U-N-D-E. Dope. And yeah. Dope. Another episode of Adversity King. Stay tuned. If you guys are a returning listener, you find value in the podcast, or you're just having a good time, make sure you guys like, share, subscribe. It just helps us, you know, have better ratings, reviews, whatever. We're going to be able to get more and better guests and just more of a variety of guests, I like to say, on, on, our, on our show for you guys to hear more. And anything you guys want to hear, just comment, let us know. Peace out. Have a good day.